0: Juna ki Devi Kijai, Bhakti Devi Kijay, Tossi Maharani Ki Jai, Samaveta Bhaktivindika Kijaya, Gua Praminanda. All glories to the assembled devotees. All glories to the assembled devotees. All glories to the assembled devotees. All glories to Sri As yes. Guru and Gaulamba. All glories <canceled> to Sri Prabhupada. Nama O Vishnu Padana Krishna Praswami Sri Mate Bhakti swami Timam. Namaste, Saraswati Deva, Gauravami Pachani, Nivisesa, Srinari, Pasukachani, Satyam. Mandeham Sri Guru, Sri Uta Parakamalam, Sri Guru, Vaishnavamstha Shri Sri Rupam, Sagujatam Sahagana, Rabinatam, Vitam, Sam, Sajivam, Sadvoitam, Sadvarutam, Paritana, Sahita, Krishna, Jetanideva, Sri Radha, Krishna, Padam, Sahagana, Lalita, Sri Vašakam, Om Namah Bhagavate Vasudevaya. Om Namah Bhagavate Vasudevaya. Om Namah Bhagavate Vasudevaya. Om, bhagavate vasudevaya. Om, bhagavate, vasudevaya. Om bhagavate vasudevaya. It's November eighth, two thousand eleven, at New Goverdun. In Australia, and we're reading from Canto Five, Chapter Two, the activities of Maharaj Agnidra, Text Thirteen. Kadvatma vritir ad, kadvatam vritir adanadvavir angavatim. Kalasyani mishon makaro chakarno. <laughs> <laughs> Udvignamina yugalam dveja pantik soche. Udvignami na yugalam dveja Asana asana bringa nikaram sara in mukam te. Asana bringa nikaram. Ka. Ka. What? Va. And. and. Atma, vrittihi. Atma vrittihi. Food for maintenance of the body. Food for maintenance. Adanat, by the chewing of bagel. bagel. Havahib, pure, pure sacrificial ingredients. Anga, Amiga. my dear friend. Vati, emanate. Vishnu, of Lord Vishnu. Lord Vishnu. Allah, expansion of, the body. expansion of the body. Asi, Asi. you are. You are. Animisha, without blinking. blinking. Un makaro. Un makaro. Two, brilliant Two brilliant sharks. Cha, Cha. also. Karano, Karano. Two ears. Two Udvigna. Udvigna. Restless. Restless. Meena yugalam. Meena yugalam. Possessing two fish. Possessing. Pankti of lines of teeth. teeth. Sorchihi. Beauty. Asana. Asana. Nearby. Nearby. Bringa nikaram. Possessing swarms of bumblebees. Possessing swarms of bumblebees. <laughs> Sadat it. Like a lake. Like lake.
1: Mukham. Face. Face. Te.
0: Te. Your. your. Translation in purport by So this is my Agni speaking to Purvachiti. My dear friend, what do you eat to maintain your body? Because you are chewing betel, a pleasing scent is emanating from your mouth. This proves that you always eat the remnants of food offered to Vishnu. Indeed, you must also be an expansion of Lord Vishnu's body. Your face is as beautiful as a pleasing lake. Your jeweled earrings resemble two brilliant sharks with unblinking eyes like those of Vishnu, and your own eyes resemble two restless fish. Simultaneously, therefore, two sharks and two restless fish are swimming in the lake of your face. What are the sharks? The earrings. And what are the fish? The fish. Besides them, The white rose of your teeth seems like rows of very beautiful swans in the water, and your scattered hair resembles swarms of bumblebees following the beauty of your face. PURPORT The devotees of Lord Vishnu are also his expansions. They are called Vivanamsha. Lord Vishnu is offered all kinds of sacrificial ingredients, and because devotees always eat prasada, the remnants of his food... The scent of sacrificial ingredients emanates not only from Vishnu, but also from the devotees who eat the remnants of his food or the food of his devotees. Agnidra considered Purvachiti an expansion of Lord Vishnu because of the pleasing scent of her body. Aside from that, because of her jeweled earrings shaped like sharks, and because of her scattered hair resembling bumblebees mad after the scent of her body and because of the white rose of her teeth which resembled swans. swans. Agnidra compared Purvachiti's face to a beautiful lake decorated with lotus flowers, fish, swans, and bumblebees. adana mishon makaro my dear friend, what do you eat to maintain your body? Because you are chewing betel, a pleasing scent is emanating from your mouth. This proves that you always eat the remnants of food offered to Vishnu. Indeed, it must also be an expansion of Lord Vishnu's body. Your face is as beautiful as a pleasing lake. Your jeweled earrings resemble two brilliant sharks with unblinking eyes like those of Vishnu, and your own eyes resemble two restless fish. Simultaneously, therefore, two sharks and two restless fish are swimming in the lake of your face. Besides. Besides that, the white rose on your teeth seems like rose of very beautiful swans in the water, and your scattered hair resembles swarms of bumblebees following the beauty of your face. It's interesting, with makara, Prabhupada usually translates makara as sharks or dolphins. Do any of you know what the literal translation of makara is? It's actually the sign of Capricorn. You ever seen the symbol for the sign of Capricorn? It's sort of a fantastic beast made up of all different creatures. So Krishna wears makara earrings, and they... Krishna and the gopis have painted makara pictures on them. And here, Purajit is also wearing makara earrings. So here he says, what do you eat? What are you eating that you smell so nice? There was a little notice in the airline we took here that, please don't bring stinky food on the plane. <laughs> Nowadays people eat all sorts of food where they don't smell very nice. Many, many years ago, when, when Janu's father was three. So I was taking him and another child to use the toilet during the, before the Rathiatra parade began. We had to go through the museum. And one of the workers at the museum looked at my son and this other boy and said, I've never seen children like that. What do you feed them? Mm -hmm. I remember one devotee telling me how she was out shopping, not wearing devotional clothing. And some devotee from out of town was driving through looking for the temple. And saw her and stopped and says, oh, Haribo, there's the Hare Krishna temple. She said, how did you know I was a devotee? He said, you're a falter. You know, what do we eat? <laughs> Actually, Prabhupada talked about the bright-faced devotees who look like they come from Vaipanta. So our original form, our original being is god-like. I need you to see seen Purvajiti and saying, you're like Vishnu. Actually, she is a devotee. She is a devotee. She is a disciple of Lord Brahma. Agnidra is also a devotee. Of course, they're not at this point anyway. They're not pure devotees. But they certainly are devotees. And she's come there and the order of Lord Brahma to marry Agnidra and have very good children. After which time, she goes back to her planet and unfortunately, instead of Agnidra becoming more attached to the service, he became more attached to her. So he follows her. But they're certainly devotees. I mean, she's a Lives on the planet of Lord Brahma, a very elevated soul, Prabhupada says, in upcoming purport that both of them were very spiritually advanced. So naturally, she looked godlike. And that's our ultimately our original form. What to speak of the form of the demigods? Our original eternal form is godlike. In fact, in Vaikuntha, you can hardly tell the difference between the devotees and Lord Vishnu, like Gopal Kumar. He's offering obeisances. To the devotees of Vishnu, thinking that they're Vishnu, and they all get very embarrassed. But that's one of the liberations, Swarupya Mukti, where you get a form like Krishna. And even in Goloka Vrindavan, the gopis are all considered expansions of Radharani. And then the Chinmayar Saapati Bhavitamis. As so many goddesses of fortune who are all expansions of Radharani, and the cowardly boys are all expansions of Krishna Balram. So we all actually, our original, our real form, our real self is godlike. And that's what we want to achieve. Now, of course, the demons have a way of trying to become godlike. They try to become godlike materially by competing with God, by trying to own everything, by trying to kill their enemies, make friends. They're really in the consciousness of friends and enemies. Who's helping me become like God? Who's hindering me becoming like God? I made all my plans. I am perfect, powerful, and happy. I'm happy. I really am happy. I really, really am happy. Yes, I am. <laughs> Like Yomani Katipur thinking, now I become happy, but he was always intoxicated and he would yell at the demigods for no reason. So two signs of an unhappy person. Happy people don't need to take intoxication. Just like the Hare Krishna devotees, we dance and sing on the streets, which materialistic people can't do unless they're really intoxicated. Right? And you know somebody's miserable when they're yelling at you for no reason, isn't it? Isn't that a sign? you haven't done anything wrong. Somebody's yelling at you. It's like, what's wrong with you? bothering you, know, wow, you got something on your mind. So you, know, you guys was like this. So this is the, the demoniac way of trying to become God. We don't become God-like. In fact, when you try to become God by competing with God, by trying to control the material resources, all you get is misery. And I'm sure we have lots of examples in our own life of where we try to control the material world. Try to even control your own body. Or we try to control our family members. Okay, I'm gonna get my wife to be like this, or I'm gonna get my husband to be like this, my children I'm going to be like this. And the other devotees are all gonna do it. I say now in this way that I want. And it doesn't work. It just doesn't work. And even if it works, it's not what we wanted it to be. We set everything up exactly the way we had in our head, and it's still ah, just maybe I'll tweak this. Maybe tweak this maybe we're happy for a moment yes exactly what I wanted and I am the controller and then after a week it's like well this isn't quite right maybe if I fix this maybe if I fix this and all these things happen to us that we don't like and then other people are mad that we're trying to be God because they're also trying to be God and there's only enough room on the chair for one person and it just doesn't work very well And you're always in anxiety, Krishna says the the demons. They're bound by a network of desires and anxieties. I gotta get this and I gotta get this and that. And I was worried about everything. And Krishna says you can't have happiness without peace. So trying to be God in that way simply brings you anxiety. Even if you finally get some godlike position, you're in anxiety about maintaining it. That somebody else will come and take it away. So there is a way to become godlike. There is a proper way. Because we are all godlike. We actually are. I was talking yesterday about how Krishna is not envious. Krishna wants to share his power and opulence with all of his parts and parcels. Even ordinary parents are like that. So many of you here are parents. You share your food with your children, right? ordinary parents. We share our wealth with our children. In fact, many parents give more wealth to their children than they have. There are parents who work two jobs so their kids can go to college and have a better career than they have. That's very common. So Krishna's at least as good as as I am and you are. We're, We're just ordinary people. So how much opulence does Krishna want to give his devotees? You know, when Mother Yasoda packs Krishna's lunch, she packs really tasty things. And the other coward boys, you know, is the queen of Vrindavan, and Radharani is cooking in her kitchen. And the other coward boys, they may get some simple prasad, Prabhupada tells us. And when, you know, when Krishna's out in the forest, he switches. He takes the dal and japatis from the coward boys and he gives them the samosas. That's Krishna's mentality. Krishna awards spiritual bodies to the devotees that are practically, practically equal in power and opulence to his own. And even if you want to be a conditioned soul, then let you be Lord Brahman, be the God of the universe. So if we really want to become godlike, what we should do is get ourselves in association with Krishna and re-establish our relationship with Krishna. So here it talks about how to do that by filling ourselves with the Lord's mercy. So we can talk about that in a gross way on the bodily platform by taking the food that Krishna's eaten and eating that as prasada. That transforms our body. What's our body made out of? I mean, you know, this fingernail a little while ago was a chapati, Right? Isn't it? It's true, Right. What's your body made out of it? It's made out of what you eat. So gradually our whole body is made out of prasana. And what's persona? You know what persona is? What exactly is it? So Vishenachakravani in Madhuri Kadampani explains that when the devotee achieves love of God, when the devotee achieves prema, he's full of meditation on the Lord in the heart. The devotee at Prema has achieved spiritual samadhi. There's samadhi of the mind and there's spiritual samadhi. Both are a kind of transcendental television, but on the level of spiritual samadhi, this is all explained nicely in the instruction, text 8 per four. On the level of spiritual samadhi, the actual spiritual world is manifest in the heart. So on the level below that, one is meditating using the mind. Kapiladev also talks about this. First you use the mind as a hook to capture the Lord, then the Lord manifests in the heart. So at the level actually starts in bhava, where the spiritual boat is manifest in the heart, and we are seeing our spiritual form, and we are engaging in Krishna's Lila within our own heart. But ultimately Krishna says, this is not satisfying just being in the heart of the devotee, I want to see him face to face. Prabhupada often talks about this, how we can see Krishna face to face like we're seeing each other. So then Krishna manifests in the external vision of the devotee. So many examples of this in the Bhagavatam, right? Dhruva is meditating on the Lord in the heart, and the Lord appears before him. Narada is meditating on the Lord in the heart, and the Lord appears before him. I think that King Malayaji also. So Krishna appears before the devotee. Krishna, Chakravakta, explains, and the devotee is overwhelmed with the form and beauty of the Lord. It's as if all of his senses have become eyes, and he's—it's if he's drinking and absorbing the beauty of the Lord through all of his senses. And so, he so overwhelmed with ecstasy that the devotee faints. And then the Lord speaks. And the Lord speaks, the sweet sound awakens the devotee from his ecstasy. All of the senses become like ears. And again, just drinking the Lord's voice through the ears, as if it was nourishment. The devotee becomes so overwhelmed with love, again they faint. And then the Lord manifests his fragrance. here we're was speaking about the fragrance of Purvachiti, how it reminds him of the fragrance of Vishnu. And the Lord gives out his beautiful fragrance, which then revives the devotee, and then all all the devotee's senses become like a nose to smell the Lord. Again, the devotee's overwhelmed in love and faints. And then then Krishna revives the devotee by touching the devotee, depending on their relationship. So Krishna may put his feet on the devotee, or may embrace the devotee. I picked him up by the hand and then the devotee's senses all become like touch. The I mean, devotees are overwhelmed with love and again they faint. Then Krishna Chakavaritapur says something very interesting. He says, Then only to the devotees in the Kanchukal Rasa, does the Lord reveal his taste by kissing the devotee. And that devotee, all of his senses become like a tongue to taste the flavor of the Lord. And then the devotee again faints. And then the Lord revives the devotee with his mercy and manifest all at once his beauty, his sound, his fragrance, his taste, his touch. So when I read this, I thought, well, that's not very fair. What about the devotees in the other Rasas? They don't get to taste the Lord. Only the gopis, only the queens. But then you read in Chaitanya Charitamrita when Mahatma Chaitanya Mahaprabhu was given some of the prasadam of the Lord. And he said, this prasada, we all know the ingredients. You can go in the kitchen here, and the ingredients are not extraordinary. I mean, some of them may have been imported from India or something. Some of them may not be common Australian spices. But still, they're material ingredients. How is it that when you cook them and offer them to Krishna, that the taste becomes transformed? So we've all had this experience. I remember it wasn't at all the first time I had prasadha, but when a devotee gave me a sandesh, and I was a professional baker before I joined the movement, and I was eating this sandwich on the way to work. It's like, what is this? What is this? And I, came, I was thinking about it all day, and I came back and said, what is that? Oh, milk and sugar. I said, that's not just milk and sugar. They said, a little lemon juice. I thought, oh, that must be it. <laughs> I, I know some devotees I'm traveling to They said they stopped at a petrol station one time. And some woman ran out of the station, a cashier, and she said, you're the whitefishers, right? Yeah. Do you have any of those little white balls? (laughs) I got one five years ago, and all I've been thinking about is it ever since. (laughs) Or I had an experience in Puerto Rico. We were doing a preaching program at a university, and I was cooking in the kitchen while a devotee was preparing cookies. And they were the simplest possible cookies. Butter, sugar, flour, and a little vanilla. The most basic ingredients you could possibly use to make them when we were at the program in the evening, everybody who ate those cookies said, would you give me the recipe for these cookies? What's in them? So Mahaprabhu said, we all know these ingredients, but what happens is Krishna's eaten them. And so the taste from Krishna's lips, the flavor of God, the taste of God, has become mixed with these ingredients. So actually, anybody can taste God. You don't have to be a goku. Even if you're a peacock in the spiritual world, you can still taste God. Uh, By tasting his prasada. Of course, some of it depends on the consciousness of the cook. Some of it depends on the consciousness of the eater. We don't want to be just like an animal-eating prasada. But to eat prasada, really meditating on all. Radhi Goparnam Daya, Garnitai, Krishna Balaram, They ate this. They actually ate this this is the taste of God. And of course, not just filling ourselves with prasadam, but seeing everything in our life as prasadam. This is so nicely explained in the purport to text 61 of the Brahma Samhita. There's five verses there where the Lord explains to Brahma how somebody below the level of bhava, who's not yet seeing the form of the Lord and the spiritual world and their spiritual form manifest in the heart, or seeing the Lord face to face, how such a person can come to that level. Because we'd all like to be at that level, wouldn't we? Wouldn't we all like to see Gauravandar manifesting all of his transcendental beauty and attractiveness? So how to get there is explained in those five verses. And the essence is to offer everything to Krishna. Yat Roshi, Nasi, Yat Everything that we do, Jiva Goswami nicely explains in the Thakavata Sampdharva that even if things we do aren't quite to the standard. Still, we should dedicate that to Krishna. Like Prabhupada said, the person drinking wine can take the taste of this wine is Krishna. So even if we're doing something that's not exactly proper in sadhana bhakti, still we can think Krishna is the active principle in this thing. Krishna is whatever flavor, whatever rasa I'm getting from this thing. Rasohamapsa That means the active principle. And somehow or other, remember Krishna. Somehow or other, connect everything we're doing with Krishna. Ideally, of course, we should only do things that Krishna desires. Uh, that's ideally bhakti. We do things only that are pleasing to Krishna. But somehow or other, connect everything with Krishna. Somehow or other, always think of Krishna. And whenever we get in our life, see as Krishna's prasadam. Meditate, this is the mercy of Krishna. That means, of course, the so-called bad things as well as the good things. Tatein kampan Krishna. That whatever happens, we see this is Krishna's mercy. And fill ourselves with this sense of Krishna's kindness and Krishna's mercy. This is our relationship with getting with Krishna. Krishna, I'm dedicating this to you. Krishna, I'm doing this to you. Krishna, even if I have a bad habit and I'm somewhat out of order, I know that still you're my ability, you're my intelligence, you're earth, water, fire, air, ether, you're all the things I'm manipulating in the material world. Everything is you. Therefore, even if I'm doing something nonsense, I try to remember. And ultimately, I want to try to do everything to please you. Whatever happens to me is your grace, is your mercy, is your kindness, is your love. And everything that happens to me is filled with your flavor. Let me try to find your flavor in everything. And if we do that, then not only our gross body, but also our mind, will become filled with Krishna's mercy. And as that happens, the material mind dissolves, our spiritual body awakens, and we become actually god And when one starts to become actually godlike, then that's visible even to gross material people. Other people will see there's something special about you, something extraordinary about you. What do you eat? And then we will no longer really be part of this material world. And all of our desires to be godlike will be fulfilled in actuality. Of course, at that point, one no longer desires to be godlike, one simply desires to be God servant. And being godlike is a natural concomitant factor, which we simply take as part of the Lord's loving reciprocation with us. So this whole process that Jim has given us in this Hare Krishna movement is how to fill every aspect of our day. Den- with seeing everything in relationship to Krishna, and seeing that everything that comes to us, everything that comes to us is the arrangement of the Lord and is His prasada, so that we can again regain our natural position. And it's actually a very simple process. It may not always be simple to do, but the concept is very simple. And if we do it properly, then the Nandakanda. Even at the beginning, it can become very joyful. So I don't want to I'm really watching the time here, since we started a little late. Do we have any time for questions? Some questions, comments? Yes? Um, I don't know, can we presume that every time you make an offering it does become prashad? I mean, I don't know if if there's not enough love on the part of uh, of the devotee making an offering could the Lord not accept it? Ooh, what a difficult question. We're were discussing this uh, in regard to Bhagavatam in Melbourne, how Prabhupada makes the point that for one to see Krishna in the pages of the Bhagavatam, the hearer has to have a certain consciousness and be wrapped in attention and generally have pure actions and pure mind. But the speaker also has to be very qualified. So we do talk about the consciousness of the cook, I mean, now sometimes, I hope it doesn't happen here and I'm going to offend anybody, but now sometimes in this kind we just have hired cooks who aren't devotees. We want to go to places where the people who are cooking are not of a very high standard. Just might as well have like a dhiti kitchen with nice Brahmin cooks and then a devotee kitchen where, you know, any Mr. Patel can come in and cook. So this is a problem. We, We do want to have high consciousness of the cooks, the person, and ideally, We not only the cooks, but the people growing the food, you know, ideally. The people who are growing the food are devotees. The people who are cooking are devotees, with love. The people making the offering are people making the offering with love. Ideally, yes. And I I do think we would say that there would be a difference between an offering cooked and offered by Srila Prabhupada and an offering cooked and offered by me. As far as Krishna reciprocating. So that's a fact. I mean, We do have some obligation, and it's not so easy. I mean, it's a difficult management problem. How are you going to find enough really first-class people to cook and make offerings? And then also, how do you judge people's consciousness is also difficult, because sometimes, I don't know any of us who've been around for a while, we know that sometimes we can be fooled both ways. Sometimes we can think, oh, that's just some ordinary devotee, just a little person... You know, the person taking care of the trash and its giant undergabo who goes back to Godhead. Some of the most internally, externally devanced devotees, advanced devotees I know are just little people in the back of the room making flower garlands and nobody knows who they are. And we can become the world of the other way. We can think that just because somebody's been around for a long time or they have a title that necessarily they're on the pure platform. And those two things are not they're not the same thing. You know, you can be an advanced big leader and you can be a not-advanced big leader. and You can be an advanced little devotee and you can be not an advanced little devotee. Those things are not... So it's, we, have, we find it's hard to tell. Sometimes we think someone's very pure when they're not. Sometimes we think someone's not very pure when they are. So it's hard for, for the managers to ensure that everybody who's cooking in the kitchen and everybody who's making the offering is it not only a high level of behavior but a high level of consciousness. But as far as possible, yes, we should do that. And as individuals, we should make an effort to eat food that's cooked by persons who are in good consciousness and offering it properly. You now, we, we for practical purposes in the Hare Krishna movement, we consider someone in good standing if they you know, buy something from the shop and wave it in the air and say, Sri Vishnu, eat it. That's kind of our bottom minimum, one step back and you fall off the cliff level. Well, we should try to do that. We should. In everything we do, why just cooking? In everything we do, we should try to have a high level of, on both ends as far as possible. I mean, I know one devotee who only does her own cooking because she's worried about the consciousness of the cooks, but I don't think that would be very practical. Of course, then you've got to worry about your own consciousness when you're cooking Maybe the people in the kitchen have a higher consciousness than you, so it might be an advantage <laughs> to their cooking. Yes, ma- In that regard... If prasadam is like um, hearing shastra, I'd have to say yes, because Prabhupada says it all the time. About that, one has to hear shastra from a certain person. Of course, Krishna is independent. Krishna can reciprocate with anybody however he wants. I mean, otherwise we're going to get into a mood that's not going to be very favorable in our Hare Krishna movement. I I think we we don't want to go to some mood of, you know, okay, well, my consciousness is dependent on who's giving class and who's cooking the offering and who's stringing the garlands. And I think that would create a very critical community. I don't think we want to go to that place. At the same time, especially the leaders and the managers have the responsibility as far as they can. You you can't do it perfectly, you just can't. It's not possible. And each of us has some personal responsibility. I mean, I I stayed in the temple once for three months where I was just talking about this actually in regard to Bhagavatam where at a Sunday feast they had some bread and it was at the Sunday feast in the temple so I ate what was at the Sunday feast in the temple and like a couple weeks later we were coming back from now and the devotees stopped at an outside bakery and bought the same looking bread for Loditon Nanda's upcoming feast. And I said, was that what you served at the temple the other day? Oh yeah, we regularly buy from this breaky. I was like, "Whoa!" No. So after that I started asking, even in temples, with the risk of offending people, if something looks slightly, I just, do devotees make that? And sometimes I'm surprised. I we to one preaching program where 90% of the food was bought from shops. You know, I think we, my point is we also have some personal responsibility as to what we eat, what we hear, what we see. That we want to fill ourselves with, with transcendence. So we have some personal responsibility. But don't go to the point of looking at everybody, how pure are you, how pure are you, how pure are you? My God. You know, would I want anybody doing that to me? No. So don't do it to anybody else. But if you know, obviously, I mean, I was also in one temple where the devotees were fighting a lot. I mean, even physical fighting. Actually, like, really fighting a lot. And the cooks, one of the main cooks, had such a history of violence, he'd been thrown out of 10 temples for, for physical violence. And he'd been thrown out of that temple four times for physical violence. And we just had a new temple president. And I was on the board at that time. And I remember we we're saying, Don't let this guy back on the property. He said, Well, he's come to me and he's so humble and he's begging. And he said, he's been thrown out of here four times. He's been thrown out of four temples. You know, he's been arrested for violence. Just don't let the guy on the property. Oh, we'll give him another chance. I mean, he pulled knives on people in the kitchen, it was really out of order. And he was cooking. So it wasn't very surprising that after people ate his cooking, they were fighting with each other. So have some discrimination. But, you know, again, I don't... Otherwise, if we take it, then you should all... None of you should listen to me, I'll tell you that, because I'm not a the of of Super Day of ghost Goswami, so why don't we just stop the whole... Then we have to stop everything, isn't it? Do you follow what I'm saying? So I think we have to have... We're trying to have a society... We're trying to go forward, we're trying to encourage everyone, we're trying to engage everyone. When you're a manager, you want to make sure that people, especially in certain positions, are very first class. As an individual devotee, I want to choose my association carefully. Especially the people that I really allow to influence me. Definitely. But without becoming, um, without becoming self-righteous and critical. And, and, and fault-finding. You know, everybody has faults Who doesn't have faults can any of us here say we don't have faults? If everybody, if, if we, if, if everyone here knew our heart, would they let us stay? Can anyone here say, my heart is so clean, my heart is so pure? I never have an evil thought. I never offend anybody, who could say that? Actually, it was really, really funny. I was giving a class, on the over Puja in Auckland. And we were talking about how Indra offended the devotees, and I, I told a little story about myself how I thought some devotees had offended me, and 10 years later I realized that actually I had been the one who defended them. It took me 10 years to figure it out, with the help of a good friend of mine, actually. I was telling her my story, and she looked at me and she said, Oh, you were the one who was the offender. At which point I got really angry, so I knew she was telling me the truth. And I went to those people and rectified it. So one of, the, one of the people, one of the guests, said, why would Krishna let somebody stay if they were committing an offense for 10 years? I said, you think Krishna should have thrown me out? So you know, which, which of us is going to, like Jesus said, who, who's, who's without sin, you can throw the first stone. So who, who of us is going to say, yes, I'm perfect. I never do anything wrong. I never offend anybody. I never cause harm to anybody. I never have an evil thought. I never. I never. My my actions are never motivated by lust, anger, envy, greed, and an illusion. Everything I do is just pure, unconditional love for Krishna. So let's let's be kind to our, our fellow devotees. I'm not I'm <laughs> Is that all right? Yes. A question. How uh, about say uh, a Muslim person? maybe they're offering exactly the same quality with shadowing as a Christian's conscious person or would have different qualities Oh, what a nice and question why. and how do I answer this in like one minute? <clears throat> so there's many schools that teach truth so a nursery school is teaching truth uh-huh. If you go to the Oxford Ph.D. program, they're teaching truth. So the mathematics taught in the nursery school, the mathematics taught in the Harvard, Cambridge, Ph.D. program, they're all truth, but they're different levels of truth. Now, sometimes you'll find a person who's in primary school, maybe they're in third grade. You say third grade, third level, what do you call it? Grade level? Grade three. Grade three. So somebody here may be in grade three and actually be working on a Ph.D. level in mathematics. It happens sometimes does happen. And there are some people, I'm sure, who are in the Oxford Mathematics PhD program who really shouldn't be there. They're just partying and they'll probably never graduate. So you look at two things. You look at what is the level of spiritual instruction being given by this particular spiritual school. And then you also have to look at the individuals. So Sri Taitanya Mahaprabhu, at least my opinion, you can look for yourself and make your own decision. My opinion is that Sri Chaitanya Mahaprabhu is giving us the highest level of spiritual knowledge. That's, that's not to deny that other levels of spiritual knowledge are also true. That you claim the highest My claim, I'll, I'll, I'll say I personally going to make that claim for me. So why am I in the Hare Krishna movement? I wasn't born in the Hare Krishna movement. Now, why am I here? Because I became convinced that this was the Oxford PhD program. Now, that doesn't mean that every single member here is on the level of an Oxford PhD in spirituality. That's, that would not be a correct assessment. So, we have people in our Hare Krishna movement who are beginners in spiritual life, we have people who are highly advanced, self realized souls, and we have all kinds of between. I'd say the difference is that at least we know, at least even the beginning member knows what the highest goal is. Whereas in other systems, people may have some confusion about the goal. And in other systems, you may find people who are on the highest level of spiritual realization, that they're on the level of spiritual realization much higher than what their school is teaching. Just like we teach that the highest reality is the relationship between God and Krishna. I don't remember his name, but there was a Christian mystic who said God must ultimately be engaged in romance because the world is full of it. There's romance everywhere. How could it exist here if it didn't exist in God? And he was burned at the stake as a heretic by the Christian Church. But he was able to realize that even though he was in an organization that didn't teach that level of truth. And within the great religious traditions there are at least small groups that are generally called mystics who do attain to higher levels whether in Judaism, Christianity or Islam and have realizations beyond the standard teaching of their organization. So you, you you may never find the Iman or the priest or the rabbi or whatever getting up and speaking about those high levels but individuals may actually achieve them why? Because God's independent. If, materi- if being a material prodigy is not dependent on your school... I mean, there are sometimes a kid's born in a family of drug addict criminals and they become a great personality. And sometimes person's born in a family of highly intelligent geniuses and they become nothing. So, generally speaking, if people are in a spiritual process or religious process... That's teaching a lower level of truth. Then that's the greatest level that they're going to be able to attain, generally speaking. But when you look at individuals, you can't—you can't make that statement when you're talking about an individual. It just—you just can't. Like you can say generally, three-year-olds can do this and five-year-olds can do that. But if you look at a particular three-year-old and a particular five-year-old, that all goes out the window. So I remember Ravinda Suprabhu said that one of his—you know—he had this realization one time that it wasn't that all of the spiritually elevated people in the Hare Krishna movement and everybody outside the Hare Krishna movement is a demon. Yeah, which you know? from the outside sometimes it does seem like there is some sort of separatism between us and them. Well, there is some, you know, when you're going to Harvard, you do root for your team. Yeah. And that's okay, I mean, as long as you don't beat people up over it and actually believe it on a deep yeah. level that you're yeah. better than everybody else. But there's some this free decor. That's, that's, that's all right. That's normal. That's natural. I think that's part of, of having a community. I mean, if you actually go around believing that everybody in my group is better than everybody and everyone else in the world, you know, then that's one of the definitions of the Kanistotic Party. The Kanistotic Party thinks God's only in the temple and God's only in my temple. God's only in the Shiite temples that we kill the Sunnis. God's only in the Protestant temples that we kill the Catholics, etc. So that's a you know, that's a really, really low, you're somewhere, you're probably like you know, age two, nursery level. You're something. At least you have some connection with God, but it's a very, very, it's a let's explain that the neophytes are likely to quarrel over everything. They use the quotes from the scriptures and missiles to throw at other people. You know, it says this, this Find in the scripture, so I'm right and you're wrong. And it's hard because really, it's all belief systems. You can't really be certain of anything. Materially, no, you can't oh, be certain. I'm of. You're certain you going to die. I know that's going to happen. My body will die. Well, like we're, we're getting a little late. I don't want this. This is, this is yeah. like a three-hour discussion. Um, mm-hmm. Ultimately, the only way you can be certain of anything, Krishna says, pratyaksha and dharma You experience it directly. So if something is true, you should experience it directly. So our ultimate scientific test is we're the scientific laboratory. So I'm convinced of Krishna consciousness on several levels. One is on a logical, theoretical level that makes a whole lot of sense. And it answered all of my questions. Just everything. On a logical level, on a theoretical level. Whereas other religious systems and other philosophies had big gaps. And if you asked about them, you were usually told to be quiet. Don't ask that question. So I haven't yet found a question in the Hare Krishna movement that you can't ask. Not that anybody can necessarily answer it, but we welcome all questions and you can find someone who'll answer it. And the other thing is just practical experience. As I practice practicing Krishna consciousness, the truths of Krishna consciousness start to manifest in my life. They start to become my actual experience. And I, I know enough people who tell me that they're having experiences that are far, far more advanced than I am. Again, they might be lying to me. They might be lying to themselves. I can't know. I can only know my experiences. I can't know their experiences. But they're reasonable, ra- reasonable, rational people who haven't lied to be at other things that I have all no reason to trust. I have no reason to distrust them. There's enough of them. And they display outward symptoms that are given in the Shastra of persons who are at that level. So I have... I can't say I believe him with the same certainty that I believe my own experience. And that's all you have. There's no, there's no such thing as a proof that everybody will accept. That's impossible with anything, material or spiritual. Even if God came right before you and stood in front of you, you might say, sorry, I don't believe you. And he can manifest that the whole universe is inside him. And you might say, well, that's just a, sort of illusion that you do." In fact, those are the stories from Krishna, that he would manifest. And some evil person would just try to kill him. Or just, or try to imprison him. And he showed the whole universe to Duryodhana. Krishna showed that the whole universe was inside him. To King Duryodhana. And Duryodhana said, ah, he's showing me some magic. Lock him up. So what's the proof? You know, there's some symptoms given. The scriptures give symptoms. I would refer you especially to end Bhagavad Gita chapter 2, where Arjuna says what are the symptoms of the self-realized soul. Uh, Bhagavad Gita chapter 14, text 22-25, where again Arjuna says what is the symptoms of someone who's transcendental. Bhagavad Gita chapter 12, text 13-20, where Krishna also gives the symptoms of, of a realized person. There's the 26 qualities of the devotee, which are given in several places. They're given in Bhagavatam, they're given in Chaitanya Charitamrita. There's nine symptoms of bhava, which is the preliminary stage of love of God that Chaitanya gives to Sanatya Goswami. That's in Chaitanya Charitamrita and is also in the uh, nature of devotion. So I refer you to those and then you take those as as your criteria. Those are external signs. Some of them are internal mentalities that's You know, very difficult to judge in another person, but you can judge in yourself. So there's external signs where you can look at other people. There's internal signs you can look at in yourself. And ultimately, how do you know that a spiritual process is real? Like Jesus was asked, and he said you judge by the fruits. So to me, it's really simple. If it's a fig tree, there's figs. It's just a real simple thing. If there's no figs, either it's not a fig tree, or it's a diseased fig tree. So ultimately that's how you tell. You know, does it look like a fig? Does it taste like a fig? Does it have the vitamins and minerals of a fig? Does it nourish me like a fig? Then it's probably a fig. Now we're not saying, I hope we're not saying, that we're the only fig tree in the universe. Yeah, no? Yeah. But you just see. This, this. This. If this place tells you, we're giving you bona fide religion, do they have at least some, not all. You don't expect that everyone, it's not that everyone who goes to Harvard PhD program is actually qualified, but they should be producing some qualified people. Their professors should be qualified, and they should have at least some qualified graduates. Are there any figs at all? So that's what you look for, and eat them yourself, and try. There's no loss. They're not going to lose anything. If you try chanting Hare Krishna and eating Krishna Prasadam and following the regular principles, and I'll end with this real quick thing. There was one Hindu in Fiji who was a worshipper of Lord Shiva, and he was very angry at the devotees, justly so, because the devotees had rented the house next to him and put, this is so embarrassing, put speakers up on the four corners of the building, and they were broadcasting the early morning chanting the 4.30 in the morning chanting all over the nest, so not But that's what they did. And this guy was a lawyer and he was often working until 2 in the morning. Actually, he was one of the biggest lawyers in Fiji. He was connected with all the major politicians, one of the most politically powerful people in the country, lived right next door. Yes, not very smart. So he wanted to have a court case against the devotees. He had taken out full-page advertisements in the newspapers. He was working politically. He wanted to throw the devotees out of Fiji. So then the uh, person running our movement in Fiji, Tamar was visiting Fiji. And then he said, I'm gonna talk to him, I'm gonna talk to the leader. And Tamar made him wait for a while. And you know, when we finally saw Maharaj, he presented his whole program. And Maharaj did something that was, I wouldn't suggest you imitate this, but anyway, what he did is he said, okay, I'll give you a challenge. He said, you follow our process for one month. If at that time, you've decided you're not a bona fide process, we'll close down in Fiji and leave. And if after that month you've decided it's a bona fide process, you withdraw your court case, you withdraw your advertisements. You withdraw your campaign against us. So this man, whose name is now Mr. he's our top president in Dallas. So now the story ends. So after two weeks, he realized that Christian consciousness was bona fide. Now you've got to figure. he was doing the process with the idea of proving it false. But he, he's a fighter kind of guy and he thought if I'm going to do it, I'm going to do it, you know. He wasn't just doing it halfway. I've actually had a dream of Lord Shiva who was his worshipful deity who told him to take shelter in the Hare Krishna room and work under Jamal Krishna <laughs> That was also kind of interesting. But we will present that to anybody. Try it. Try it and see if it's a figure or not. Test yourself. Is that all right? Yeah. I'm sorry I took so long. I hope that was it yeah, for sorry. other people and that you were just staying out of politeness. Thank you. All glories to Shilapapa.